0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton.
1: We've seen each year the impact from violent storms, especially hurricanes, having a significant impact on families, homes, communities. And as we head through the summer, that means that hurricane season will be soon upon us. So, what do you need to do to be ready? And is there an issue with people? being prepared for the next big one and not remembering what they went through in the past. Bob Meyer is a Wharton School professor and co-director of the Risk Management and Decision Processes Center here at the school and joins me in studio. Hi, Bob. Uh, Good morning. Great to see you again. Uh, So I'll start with that. How often do people tend to forget the fact that they went through a storm two years ago, three years ago, and either they kind of slough off on the insurance or they're not prepared. How often do you think that happens?
0: Well, actually, uh, this is a question we study an awful lot. And it actually turns out it's sort of interesting um, what people actually have a really good memory of past storms that they've been through. Um, but what people tend to forget, and what often causes laxness in pr- protection um, or preparation, is is that what people forget is what it really felt like to go through these storms. So, for example, um, uh, it, and you can kind of look at some of the storms from last year in terms of the different places that they hit, and everyone will remember the storm. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it, you look in the news and they remind you of it and so forth. But what tends to, to fade really, really quickly is uh, what it really felt like to go through these things. Um, and, and I think it's part of um, human evolution is, is that we tend to have a real short memory for pain. Um, and so <laughs> as a consequence, once we go through it, it seems really bad at the time, and you get people thinking, wow, you know, next time I'm going to really f- fully prepare. I never want to go through this again. But then all of a sudden, three or four months later, you remember the event, but what you forget is what it felt like. So then how, how do people kind of
1: prepare for these storms better to be able to 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 be able to to lessen that pain moving forward.
0: Well, really, the best thing we can do. There, there's no way you're going to be able to fix that. I mean, that's yeah. just part of human brains, human psychology, and there's nothing you can do to get people to to to, to go through the experience virtually of really what it feels like uh, to be you know two or three days if you're in Florida and the in the in the hot summer heat without electricity and, uh, and then the incredible disruptions and all the trauma that's associated with that. There's no way you can kind of reproduce that virtually. So the only kind of real fix that we have for that is to say, look, um, uh, what we really need to do is basically give people a fixed set of rules that they have to trust to go ahead and follow these procedures and don't think too deeply about it. Because once you turn the decision over to people and you let them go on what they think is best for themselves, uh, it's not going. It's probably not going to end well.
1: You get uh, a lot of people, and I remember when when Sandy came through a few years ago, uh, there were people at the at the Jersey Shore. Who stayed there through the storm? Oh, most
0: people and, stayed there,
1: and, 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 and <laughs> yeah. it, it was amazing to me seeing you know what had happened a couple of days later with the damage and the the sand all across the streets. The fact that people do stay there, they're willing to to stay in their houses and not as much worry about their lives yet. They will obviously they insure their property to make sure that the property is safe.
0: Yeah, uh, and that's a, a sort of an interesting um, uh, an interesting thing that happens as to why it is that people don't evacuate from these storms, and 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 it's a it's a there's a whole litany of reasons why. Uh, one of which is the feeling that look that uh, that look these storms come through all the time. We're always getting warnings, and nothing ever happens. So, uh, and it's a big hassle to move because you have to kind of pick up your stuff. Uh, sometimes it's not hard. You know, where are you going to go? Sometimes times it's really not, not easy to find uh, a friend or, or a hotel to stay at, and so you just given the hassle of it, you just figure, well, I'll just stay back, and w- when I need to go, then I'll go. And then, of course, that need never never happens until maybe it's too late. Uh, and then in other times, as you said, it, it sort of comes from a re- very rational, perhaps, desire to want to protect your equipment uh, your, your, and your, uh, your home and so forth.
1: Now, you, you guys had done a, a, uh, a research paper talking with a variety of people in the Northeast, about preparedness and about the process that they go through. Tell us more about that.
0: Yeah, uh, well, actually, what we've had at our center over the past number of years, we've had uh, programs of research where uh, we actually go ahead and start contacting people and surveying them two or three days before storms actually arrive. Because uh, uh, what we found is if you ask people after a storm comes through, why did you prepare or why did you not prepare, they're going to kind of manufacture uh, reasons. So the idea would be to kind of start surveying people two or three days in advance mm-hmm. and try to ask them things like, you know, are you making preparations? Why are you doing this? And so forth. And, and one of the things we find out uh, is is that uh, we see this real disconnect where, on the one hand, people really believe uh, the news media when, uh, when, for example, Jim Cantore and the Weather Channel gets on there and, and starts saying the world's going to end. The storm people, of the century century, yeah, People right, really yeah. believe it. And yeah. you ask them and say, hey, what's the odds that your house is going to get hit by a hurricane force winds? And, and people say 80%, 90% because they, that's what the, the, the TV tells them. But then all of a sudden, then you ask them, what are you doing to prepare for it? And they say, well, you know, we've got, uh, you know, a, a, an extra couple, you know, bottles of water and we've got a little bit. And, and basically very few, very limited preparation in contrast to what they think is going to happen. How much do you need to have that reinforcement of the issues
1: of the past, uh, of those reminders, to be able to – and you hate to remind people of a bad incident, but in this case – having that reminder ends up in many cases I would think being a benefit
0: yeah I, it can be but we've we've found it that it actually doesn't work as well as you would think because okay. in some sense what happens is is that that and you think about it this way um, for most people uh, they survive hurricanes without a problem and for most people when you see the extreme damage and so forth uh, it, it's it's are, are there events that happen to other people mm-hmm. so for example if you were to go back and you were to show people look what happened to the Jersey shore during Sandy, look at this. Most people viewing that say, well, that wasn't me because I wasn't living on the Jersey shore sure, at that yeah, time. Yeah. And so as a consequence, actually what it does is it sort of reinforces the idea that these are things that happen to somebody else. They don't happen to me. So as a consequence, you might show them that and then they'll go, yeah, that was horrible that happened to those other people, but I'm going to be lucky. You know, I I, I always, you know, it never <laughs> hits me. So.
1: Well, and it's interesting because especially on the East Coast, where we see so many more hurricanes, it, it, it's now gotten to the point where it doesn't matter realistically if it's the Gulf of Mexico or the mid-Atlantic coast or even up into New England, because New England gets hammered with storms quite a bit often. It's not like there's one area or one region that's seemingly gets
0: off. Uh, you know, they are, they are going to be, they're going to find bad weather one way or another. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, sort of all areas are sort of uh, from pretty much from uh, um, from Brownsville, Texas, all the way up to Eastport, Maine, kind of are all are all at risk with respect to hurricane impacts. Uh, the Northeast is particularly dangerous in the sense that you have enormous uh, population. Uh, it's enormous population zone uh, with a large number of millions and millions of people living around the coast. And while we get hurricanes up here, they're not that often, and often when they do come, they tend not to be that severe. Uh, they go over colder water, and they weaken a little bit. So often it will be the case that I think the experience for most people in the Northeast is that, well, hurricanes, they come every now and then, but they're usually never quite as bad as what they say. But it has become a policy issue
1: With cities, counties, states in the last decade, decade and a half, really specifically, especially in the wake of Sandy with what happened in and around New York City as well with the flooding in lower Manhattan.
0: Oh absolutely and and I think also the other thing that's happening is that that with climate change and uh, and sea levels uh, global sea levels rising uh, every little bit every little year all of a sudden the storm which maybe uh, thirty forty years ago would have caused minor flooding is now causing um, major flooding and that 's a thing which cities have to prepare for and and, and I think that that uh, in, in the areas particularly in the northeast where these were severe storms really severe storms are fairly rare they're They're kind of the worst-case scenario because basically people think, well, these storms are not going to be that bad. Uh, We don't really have to put that much in. But then every now and then you get like you get a hurricane Sandy, which says, whoa, you know these things can be really bad. And so the 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 real challenge for for cities in the Northeast and really cities everywhere, particularly in the Northeast, um, is to try to you know how how do you keep focused on that and how do you uh, do you not kind of let uh, amnesia kind of fall in the way and say, well, maybe this is an expense we can put off for another year.
1: are hurricanes realistically the, the the in terms of all the different types of storms are they the ones that that seemingly people maybe have more preparedness for and I, I say that because uh, when you have tornadic activity that is kind of hit and miss not only from time to time, but location to location as well. Uh, Flooding, obviously, is a reactive to having very heavy rain. You know, so, I mean, I'm wondering if the preparedness in other parts of the country may even at times be less because of the fact that the frequency may not be as much.
0: Uh, right. I, I think that w- one of the things associated with hurricanes is they are nature's most powerful storms uh, and certainly the ones that cause the most damage and most loss of lives. Um, and mainly because in some sense for, for extremely strong, strong storm, strong storms, such as Category 5 hurricanes, you can have winds near the center of these storms, which are as severe as you would get with like an F3 tornado. Yeah. Okay, And so they can cause, uh, in fact, sometimes like I'm, I'm thinking back, for example, of pictures of uh, what South Florida looked like after Hurricane Andrew, and you really couldn't tell the difference between a hurricane impact and a major tornado impact. But the difference is, of course, these are are severe storms that cover many, many miles and have last for several, several days, so basically the impact of these things is really huge. And as a consequence, it is appropriate that people should prepare for these things a lot more than others, and and also they're able to because we have really good forecasts to let people know several days in advance, whether there's a possible threat.
1: And and you mentioned uh, talking to people in advance uh, of storms. The the retrospective view, obviously, you look back and you think of the things you should have done trying to get to be have people be more proactive on this. How much of a challenge is it? And from the people that you talked to, how much of a challenge was it to get them to even consider to be proactive?
0: Um, well, it, it kind of varies a little bit. I, I think in, one of the things we've found is that uh, we've done some studies as to who is it that's prepared for storms and who isn't. Yeah. And what we find is that um, that actually the, the the people that are the most at danger of not preparing are people who have um, been through a storm but not a very strong one. Okay, right, And right. so effectively, they think that they've survived a hurricane, and but they actually haven't. Uh, on the other hand, surprisingly, people who are often better prepared prepared, or people who move into an area and have actually never been through a storm. Because there, they're sort of listening to the end-of-the-world uh, broadcasts that are coming on television, and they're saying, whoa, uh, you know, I've just moved to, to Miami, or I've even just moved to the Middle Atlantic, and, and I'm going to believe what they tell me on the, on, the, on the news that I better really prepare. So these people do prepare, okay? Unfortunately, what happens is then when the storm comes through and they find nothing really happened, then the next time it happens, then they kind of figure, well, maybe I'm not prepared a little bit, but not, not as much. Do
1: you get levels of over-preparedness in, in people at times?
0: Yes, absolutely. Sometimes it's the case that um, that, that you kind of get the the other extreme where people, for example, who have been through uh, a severe storm and, su- and suffered real losses, they basically kind of go perhaps the other way of over-preparing. The, the other thing that that sometimes we see over, uh, over-preparation is in the area of evacuation. Um, I think the yeah. classic example of this is in uh, Hurricane Rita in two thousand. 2005, where it was came right on the heels of Hurricane Katrina, uh, and uh, and there, of course, there was immense news coverage of the disaster that unfolded in New Orleans and and how tragic it was that people who weren't who didn't want to or. Um, who were one, unable to evacuate were, were effectively stranded and had to be rescued on boats. So when Hurricane uh, Rita was threatening to uh, uh, to approach uh, the city of Houston, uh, the mayor of Houston said, "Everybody's got to get out." Okay, yeah. and the problem was is is that that people didn't know really whether or not they really should or they shouldn't get out. So everybody at pretty much the same <laughs> time just got in their cars, and then there was over a hundred deaths due to the the evacuation itself, which was more than the storm it actually caused. Um, and uh and and so i i think what one of the causes of 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 some de- danger preparation is what people sometimes do is they don't really know what to do um and so they but they figure somebody else does and they just imitate other people's
1: but behavior but it's also the delivery of the message too i i mean I, when a mayor will get up and and make the declaration okay you need to get out obviously he's doing that but it, you know, that message has to have that right delivery as well, correct?
0: Right, exactly. And, and I think that one of the problems in, in in evacuation, and this is the real hard part of it, is often it's a case that the wrong people evacuate. Uh, so effectively, uh, for example, in South Florida or in the state of Florida, when hurricanes come uh, – many more people evacuate who don't need to evacuate. Right. So effectively why why would you, if you if you live inland and you actually have no particular threat to flooding or anything like that, you know, the standard um, uh, advice is to um, uh, is to stay at home because you're really, that's the safest place you can be. Yeah. But the problem is you're probably going to lose your electricity and so most people nowadays they figure, well, I don't want to go through that. I don't want to lose my air conditioning. So as soon as they see a storm coming, the people uh, you get people basically who who shouldn't be evacuating will crowd the highways and try to find hotels uh, uh, you know, up north somewhere, go to Atlanta and everything. And this and this makes it difficult for the people who really do have to evacuate to get out.
1: And that was really, I think, wasn't that the case with Katrina as well? I mean, obviously some of the districts in in New Orleans, uh, those people obviously should have been out there, should have been a, a better process in place and obviously New Orleans, you know, went through a, a lot of uh, examination after that for what they had and obviously the federal government as well, but there were a lot of people in those in those different wards that never should have even been there. They should have been busted out and and put someplace else.
0: Right, right. And uh, and, and so I think most cities nowadays have, have at least on paper pretty good evacuation plans that, yeah. for example, uh, in the Houston area, it's the case that you have staged evacuations that, because they know it's hard for people in Galveston Island. They need to get out first. And then you kind of, and, and the same thing in New Orleans, you have the same sort of staged evacuation. The problem is, is that's a great thing to have on paper, right. but 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 another thing is when everybody's sort of leading, you know. So you get kind of you know, they, they, sort of the standard thing is in evacuation, you know, half the people who who evacuate, you know, basically uh, who shouldn't be, and half the people that should don't. So. But
1: and you bring up a great point: the fact that on paper is one thing. But doing it live is obviously something different and even more different is just practicing it or preparing Mm. for it. Because, again, it's something that comes so infrequently at times in some locations that – it's not at the top of the list of concerns of the local government to be, or who are the ones that are putting this in play.
0: Right. Okay. And, and for example, the thing on evacuation is, is that the the, 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 uh, the city or the state will basically say, hey, you've got to evacuate. They don't tell you how you should evacuate, right. like right. where you should be going. And so one of the things is, is that we just always tell people, look, uh, one thing you should actually always have lined up is a family evacuation plan. And it's not just hurricanes. It's sort of any kind of disaster that might happen, um, and and for example, what we routinely find in our studies of hurricane preparation is even though people think a hurricane's coming, when we ask them what are you doing, and and, the, and almost ninety percent say they'll do something like they'll get extra uh, extra food supplies, right. okay, to last them a couple of days. But then you ask them, well, do you have have you made evacuation plans? Like, do you know where you would go if suddenly you have to leave? And only a very small proportion, maybe 20 percent, say they've thought th- they've thought that far ahead.
1: Which is interesting because you hear the stories about people in the Midwest who, you know, if if they are worried about tornadoes, they seemingly have an idea of, okay, we're going to meet here. We're going to either you know we have a bunker that we 're able to go into, or you know we're going to head into the into the basement of the house. They plan for those storms they don't necessarily plan as much for for hurricanes
0: yeah right and uh, i I think some people do, but it, and i think i like, 'm sure like not everyone in the Midwest that have has a bunker that sure. they have yeah. to go to but, yeah. uh, but but definitely it's the case that uh, that that people don't think through uh, well enough in advance when a storm comes what you know what's the re- the set of actions that i'm going to proceed when I should do it uh so often it should it should always be the case that, that everyone needs to think ahead, not wait to the day that the hurricane warnings are issued, but think in advance when the storm comes, you know, where am I going to go, okay? And you have people that say, look, you can come over to our house yeah. uh, or, or also alternatively. Uh, I think what's a little bit risky is to kind of count on being able to go stay in a hotel, okay? Because that's, sure. uh, yeah. that, that's not probably going to work unless you have, you know, considerable resources and you can fly somewhere. It's so.
1: also good to find out if you can go to somebody's house you know, at some point during the summer, to make sure they're not on vacation when you potentially yeah, could, need, could right. need to need yeah. to go. Yeah. We're joined by uh, Bob Meyer uh, of the Wharton School, professor and co-director of the Risk Management and Decision Processes Center here at uh, the Wharton School. We're talking about uh, preparedness for storms, uh, hurricanes, and others. Your comments are welcome at eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six, or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at bizradio one eleven or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Lo twenty twenty one. The other part to it is obviously understanding the damage that can obviously come with these storms and afterwards doing damage assessment as well, correct?
0: Uh, right, right. And, and, and sort of another thing, surprisingly, that people don't <laughs> do enough of, and this is sort of often if you ask people, uh, if you ask when, uh, often it's the case that when do people check their insurance policies? Yeah. You know, often it's the case, like, the storm is about to hit in, you know, in, in 12 <laughs> hours, right. and then all of a sudden, that's when, and there's a lot of jokes about this, but they're very, very serious, that's when people basically pull out their insurance policy to figure out whether they're covered and what to do. And, and often it's the case. For example, I, I remember in work we did on Sandy, a significant portion of people kind of assumed that they were that their their, their um, um, home insurance policy covered them for flood. Okay, And sure, they don't. Yeah. And that's often flood is often kind of the the biggest uh, cause of source of damage from storms. And uh, and no, your your home insurance policy does not cover flood.
1: It's almost like you need to put you put a schedule in place for yourself throughout the course of the year of whether it's at Christmas time or. July 4th or whatever that is, to start that calendar so that you're making those checks in place so that you are in a constant state
0: of preparedness. Right. And and one of the things we we spend a lot of time talking about, how do you best uh, sort of get people to do those sorts of things? And one of the things we're often very critical of is often uh, if you go on the internet and you ask, what should I do to prepare for a hurricane? What you see is massive checklists, okay? They'll have like maybe 50 things and they'll have things like, uh, you know, make sure you have a place for your dog to go and make sure that you've got got your your prescriptions ready and make sure that your garage door is sealed and 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 for for this list it's sort of overwhelming because maybe only a third of the things on the list are relevant for people and and one of the things we find is is that uh, people are subject to a thing we call the single action bias and what it is 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 that when people are preparing things they see this huge list they'll do one of them okay and then they'll (laughs) figure that they've got they've got it covered okay and then they forget all the others and so
1: our time to go do the other ones later on yeah I'll do yeah. the other
0: one later on and so forth. So one of the things we really encourage people to do is don't – the way you kind of get people to take action is don't just overwhelm them with like a whole list of things they ought to be doing, but get people to focus on – On ask them the question, if you're going to prepare – do one thing in advance of a hurricane, what is that one thing? Right. Okay. And make sure you get that one covered. Then when that one is covered, then go say, what's the next thing I will do? And the next thing I will do after that. And so to take – mentally organize these steps and customize them for the person.
1: How much does the insurance industry do that already, and could they potentially do more of this to help the consumer
0: out? Uh, they don't do enough of it, uh, and uh, you know our center is uh, supported a lot by the insurance industry, yeah. and so uh, we're kind of on the same page as they do. But I think they'll be the first to tell you that um, um, that that basically that they that that they wish they knew more, and and they try to know more about the psychology of the people who's, uh, uh who they're insuring to try to figure out how to get them to take better preparedness. And we work with them a lot to try to figure this out, and and it's a real challenge uh, because uh, um, it, you know, it, and I think people often understand. That the fact that you've got you know an insurance policy, uh, and and, you know if your house has been wrecked or significant, a lot of your personal possessions being wrong, the fact that you may get money back to cover some of that stuff. Doesn't really cover the loss. It's sort yeah. of like a you know a burglary loss. I mean, really, preparedness is on the individual, and that's sort of the the best insurance you have is uh, your own ability to prepare for these things.
1: Part of it, part of it is probably the fact that people don't want to hear from the insurance company in general. They feel like they're being pitched something, you know, and and, and that's something that obviously it's part of the conversation that the industry needs to deal with.
0: Uh, yeah absolutely it, it's, it's an interesting industry because it's a it's an industry where uh, where people on both sides both the people who buy the product and the insurance companies who sell the product hope that that it's never gets used sure, right yeah. okay and so you know what, what's the best insurance policy well the one where you never have to use it I mean that's what you want but but at the same time that that presents a natural hazard because if I'm finding out that I'm not getting much from the policy and I'm never redeeming it there is that mental instinct to say well why am I keep writing out the checks every year. And, <laughs> uh, and it's the year, it always works out, the year that you decided to cancel that flood insurance policy because it's been, you know, 20 years and you've never had a flood. Yeah. It'll be the, the, the 21st year when you get the flood. Bob, great seeing you again. Thanks for coming in. Okay. Thanks a lot. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.